Fork Films congratulates Camera Person, distributed by Janice Films, which sponsors this week's episode of Screen Talk. A tapestry of footage captured over the 25-year career of documentary cinematographer Kirsten Johnson, Camera Person explores the relationships between documentary filmmakers and their subjects in the complex interaction of an unfiltered reality and a crafted narrative. The New York Times called it unlike anything you've seen before and a revelatory testimony to the simple, mysterious power of the camera, while the Village Voice said that the film unfolds with the beauty and purpose of reclaiming the vital connection between aesthetics and humanity. It's rare that a memoir can be this universal, said Consequence of Sound, and The Guardian called it a remarkable document about the creative process that may tap into a richer vein, what it's like to live on the planet Earth. I also really like this movie, and it deserved to be the winner of the IDA Creative Expression Award for editing and the National Board of Review's Freedom of Expression Award, nominated for Critics' Choice, Gotham and Independent Spirit Awards for Best Documentary, directed by Kirsten Johnson, Camera Person. Welcome back to Screen Talk, our very first recording of 2017. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large out in Los Angeles. And we're back from the holidays. We're well-rested. We took a week off to... Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, you took a couple days off. I took a week I off. I literally had two, two days off and, and Christmas, maybe. <laughs> hey, that counts for something. We work hard when we're on deadline, so, you know... Everybody was looking for their own little pockets of time here and there. It was uh, an interesting couple of days anyway to kind of reboot the new year. I, I spent you were most in of Seattle? It, Where were uh, you? San Francisco. Usually I go to Seattle. I decided to change things up and, and head a little bit further south on the coast. I uh, spent a few days in Napa Valley, so it was, it was a nice Drinking break. Drinking wine, were we? Yes. I was basically living the movie sideways for a few days as I contemplated my existence in, in the world You're- in general. Your but, ongoing, uh, your ongoing uh, honeymoon is yes, what it exactly. Is. Every trip is a honeymoon when you elope. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice like that. But uh, I did get a chance to watch one movie and, and and fill in a gap there, which was My Life Is a Zucchini. So it was nice to to finally get caught up with with something. In my case, did you like you it? Know, it? It was. It, it's a nice movie. I mean, it was interesting because that it surfaced in in our world way back at the Cannes Film Festival in May in the director's Fortnite section, and I was sort of curious about it, but I didn't prioritize it. It's very short. It's a Swiss animated movie that didn't get this huge, huge reaction there or anything, so it just kept falling further and further down the list. And then when it became the Swiss Oscar submission, you know, that piqued my interest because I remembered that this was a movie that, you know, had some notable qualities to it. The fact that Celine Sciamma wrote the screenplay, she directed Girlhood, and is this really interesting French filmmaker. It has yeah, a little yeah. more edge than your classic family um, animated film. It has a little more, uh, you know, it's about these sort of abandoned children, uh, you know, staying in a sort of boarding house together and how they learn how to, you know, deal with each other and, and handle whatever they're, I mean, it has a sort of sweet um, fable-like uh, uh, resolution, and, and there, there are surrogate parents in there that come through for them, but, but it's, 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 it doesn't, it, it, there, it feels like it has a breath of reality to well, it. Well, what's, uh, what's notable about it is everything you just said, and that it's an animated movie about the things you just described, and it's short, it's, it's slight in certain ways, but also heavy with the drama of these abandoned children, and what's notable in that respect is that as you watch it, 
you have to wonder why it's animated in the first place and yet what the animation does it doesn't play for say slapstick humor or anything to that effect but there's something about the kind of brighter imaginary world of of, of childhood that that softens the edge of the story which opens with a child essentially accidentally killing his mother but if that was done in, in a very line, brilliant sequence i thought yeah, no, very no, unexpected yeah but but i think that what it does is that it allows you to see the the surreal element of this scenario mm -hmm. through the the child's eyes and that that makes it work much that better was than good. It That's a otherwise. very good way of putting it. And, and yeah. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. It's it's and it's the production so short, design was but, cool. There was a yeah. lot of you know graffiti and and interesting detail in that. And it's stop motion, which is a good point to make. Yes, this isn't motion. this very is not look. regular CG or yeah, hand drawn. I, and I would say everything about it works so well that you it's it I'm, I'm resistant to overhyping it because it's such a small, gentle, unassuming movie, and it's so short. But at the same time, it's it's definitely a movie that I think if people are willing to meet it on its terms, they will find it satisfying. Now, does that make it an Oscar contender in a serious way? I don't really know. But. It's also a contender over on the animation side and could well become one of the top five announced on January 24th. Readers and listeners should know that we uh, the ballots are in the hands of the Oscar voters now. They arrived on uh, January 4th. 5th and they are due on January 13th and I went to a party last night for Zootopia where I interviewed the uh, screenwriters before the party because I have a feeling they might get nominated and um, um, and deservingly deservingly so and and I you know what you do at a place like that is talk to all the and they're all talking about how they have their they're you know they're ready to vote and they're trying to figure out what to what to vote for and one of the things that that one guy said was that I keep I keep you know hearing about La La Land and and I looked at it again and I just I don't like it that much and and I keep hearing this feeling from people like they're supposed to like La La Land and they don't I find and that I, to I've be heard that over now, and over but 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 I talk to so many people who who know La La Land more than these other movies or they say oh I loved La La Land and with Moonlight it's it's more complex it's subtler but it's it's harder to see that movie even though I love it quite a bit more having the same broader effect on people and maybe the Academy is, is a very specific body but it also seems like La La Land is a movie that is just a more obvious consensus choice in so many ways where even somebody who has a ballot in hand and isn't quite sure it, it seems like they would just more naturally settle on that movie right I if mean, you just... have man if it's, it's so clear if you just look at all the different groups and all the different tea leaves that we're reading right now and in the last week or so we got the writers guild and we got the art directors and there was a short list uh, a, a little bit ago for the makeup you know so you start to see oscar shortlist you start to see you know what's you know hacksaw ridge is somewhere in there and 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 you know, Deadpool seems to keep popping up, uh, even though you have these groups that have comedy categories. So, it it's really not the same as as the Oscars. But but you know, uh, Manchester and and uh, Moonlight are both going to have very passionate supporters, and consensus isn't required with the Oscars, be at least for Best Picture, because it's a it's a weighted ballot. So it's really more about what you put at number one, two, and three. 
You know, it's it's about that. I was even talking to a voter last night who said he wasn't going to vote for more than three because there's no point. The whole narrative has just basically settled around those movies. And there they are, the three. And then everybody's conjecturing about where Fences and Hacksaw and Lion and Hidden Figures, Hidden Figures and Fences having a great deal of momentum out of the holiday box office. Hidden Figures is going to be a huge hit. Yeah, and Fences didn't do too shabby either. It did very well. I mean, it it even led me to have a conversation with somebody the other day who knows what they're talking about who was saying, even though Casey Affleck is such an obvious frontrunner, Denzel is really going to challenge him in that category, especially now. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I knew it was between the two of them, but Denzel is a different kind. I mean, when you see him working, I did an interview with him before a, a screening over at the Writers Guild, and he, you know, I had seen him at the at another. You know, I've watched him work the the room. He knows what he, he has the power of an, a very charismatic movie star. The question would be, and the, and the content of our interview was really about his directing. You know, do we see him getting that as well? That's a that's a different question. Well, it's He's also up, the kind of he thing could where, beat Casey. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in the director category, that's very unpredictable too. I mean, one person can knock another possible person out. Of that's it. where that's where you have a, a more consensus situation. Exactly. That's where if there are more votes for one person, then the, it could drive someone out else out. But I think we know that Lonergan and and Chazelle and Jenkins will be in there. It's a question of what, whether Denzel gets in or who else gets in. Right. I mean, if any one of those three doesn't get in, it'll be a shocking. Shocking. Episode. With uh, with some sort of logic behind it that we've been ignoring all along. I mean, anything can happen, right? I mean, it, if Barry Jenkins doesn't come in, it could turn out that everybody's been talking about Moonlight the movie and not Barry the director, or you know, Lonergan well, seen more as a screenwriter or something like but that. But they I mean, take chances in yeah. the directing branch, I'm and they saying, honor I'm, new people. I'm going and on the record and in case that happens. I, I pontificated about it. it, could, <laughs> it could, there, there's a theory out there that it could happen. Maybe it'll happen. But, but uh, you know, um, you and I had been talking about the difference between New York and, and L.A., and, and so uh, you're talking, I think, to a smaller pool of people um, um, in, and, and with, a, with a different, more higher-brow, perhaps, sensibility, um, and, and perhaps more indie. Uh, the cosmopolitan elite of the Academy. And then in L.A., you know, at the Zootopia party, it would be animators and short filmmakers and writers. And, you know, you have so many different crafts people represented in in L.A., such a wide, wide spot. You have more below-the-line people. That's absolutely true. And their their votes count in a way that can't be understated. And you have the steak eaters. Right. The steak eaters, as, as you, you so eloquently put it this week, the, the people you cannot forget about whose masculine sensibilities can sneak into the Oscar race in ways that have bigger influence than a lot of people might assume. Although, you know, it's, it's hard to see something like Sully really getting the steak eater boost. It's not getting <laughs> attention. The only last-ditch possibility would be Tom Hanks. And as I was writing about it, I was, I was recognizing, you know, the movie, you know, one of the great things about Clint Eastwood, this is not one of those movies where he's going for the jugular emotionally, the way he did with, with Million Dollar Baby or, or even Mystic River. So this is, a, this is a story of heroism. It's more like Argo, um, but it isn't as, it, 
as pulse pounding. He doesn't, the, I like the fact that Clint Eastwood keeps it naturalistic and real and doesn't, doesn't glossy it up, you know, but in the end, it's not as showy. And, and the movie opens, I really think the real reason why Sully isn't in the race, because it was a huge fall hit, the highest grossing drama of the year, is, is that it uh, opened too early. It's really that simple. So sorry, steak eaters, but uh, you hit Hacksaw on something. Hacksaw Ridge, Arrival. Yeah, there's a very know, interesting the sort movies. of yeah category there. I mean, if somebody want with a deep sense of irony, oh, high water irony too. really wanted. I mean, I I was when I read what you wrote about it, I was thinking, man, somebody really needs to own this and create the steak eater awards. You know? <laughs> I mean, masculinity has been reclaimed in this country in all kinds of terrible ways, anyway. So yeah, indeed. You know. <laughs> so so you're talking about this kind of New York versus L.A. thing in award in award season, which I think is actually quite fast because even though the Oscars are very much a, a Hollywood event and everybody knows it as such, there is an element of award season that's pretty significant that takes place in New York. I mean, we, for, we our first ceremony that we have to speak about is the Gotham Awards and the first ceremony of the New Year is the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, which I was vice chair of this year, and that was on January 3rd, on Tuesday, right with ev right when everyone came back from their holidays and everything. So it was the first big event, and a lot of those contenders were in the room. It was really interesting to see, basically, Barry Jenkins and Kenneth Lonergan kept trading spots on the stage, and then at the end of the night, Damien Chazelle came up. So, you know, you kind of saw the general elements of the, of, of, of the race as, as they stand right now, which is that everybody's really tired, um, but, and, and they can give speeches on autopilot, as when is uh, Casey getting any better? <laughs> Casey was hilarious. Um, the basically what Casey Affleck did in his speech was put our humble chairman David Edelstein on the spot by reading uh, alleged pans that Edelstein had written for previous Casey Affleck performances. Now David maintains that these were not his reviews, and Casey, being the sort of prankster type that he is from his uh, I'm still here days may very well have had a trick up his sleeve here, but it was a pretty funny speech to hear him read these pans. And there's something great about the framing device of all these all these showbiz people essentially coming up and addressing critics in the room. So it's a question of like, how do you do that in a way that doesn't just seem like mean-spirited or, or, or catty or whatever. And because or he's pandering. So, yeah, but because he's so understated in his ways, it was a great sort of deadpan delivery. And the funny thing is I saw... Casey backstage beforehand, and he was asking me, you know, what kind of guy is David Edelstein? You know, like you're really, I know who how he is as a writer, but it, it, what kind of guy is he? And I was like, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's got a good sense of humor and stuff. And I and I realized after his speech, he was trying to make sure on some level that he wasn't gonna create too much drama with this with this speech that he gave. And if you look at the the media that came out of it, including the New York Times, that was what they focused on because it was the most entertaining moment of the night. The and then they focused on Barry Jenkins' yeah. speech at the National Board of Review. Yeah, so the NBR, which is always the next night, even though the NBR uh, doesn't get the same level of respect and the organization has, you know, there are some questionable elements surrounding it, they do often get great presenters and getting Ta-Nehisi Coates, to, for example, to present cool. to Barry and then for Barry to come up and acknowledge the fact that in this case, and this was not true for the New York Film Critics Circle Awards, uh, he was the first uh, uh, African-American film uh, director to win that prize at the MBRs. So it meant that there was a, an opportunity to say something uh, with a historical significance. And he gave a really amazing speech that actually used the term make America great again. And essentially he was saying, as we quote unquote, make America great again, let's not forget 
you know, how valuable it is to recognize our progress, you know, showcasing voices who weren't being showcased before and so forth. And, you know, that element of history reminded me of when Catherine Bigelow was on the awards trail and there was this whole thing about a, a woman director winning uh, that, uh, that prize and how that was a piece of history uh, coming together bit by bit and her speeches got more and more, uh, they started to acknowledge that. And so I, I, f I feel like maybe this was, this is the point where now that he's out there and giving these speeches, he's got to start talking about this stuff in a different sort of way where, where history really comes into play. And, and it made me optimistic of, of his chances and also really glad to see this filmmaker who I've been following for a decade get to this point. I mean, he I'm really proud has of him too. emerged in an amazing way. So that, that bodes really well. And I guess all of these things in, in many ways are sort of a mini buildup to the first major awards event of 2017, which is the Golden Globes on Sunday, aka that dinner where everybody gets really drunk and tries to give a speech before uh, they get played off and sort of rehearse their, their Oscar stuff. Or in well, other cases, or, or ignore, ignore what they have to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually really fun and I look forward to it. Uh, every year, the what, what's fun is the parties afterwards, because <laughs> <laughs> the whole Beverly Hilton <laughs> is taken over, and you have all the major stars sort of wafting through the hallways, you know, brushing shoulders as they go from one party to another. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me to think that you have to do this sit down dinner where you may or may not get roasted on national TV, and then you got to go party hop for the cameras. You know, it's like there's so that that is such a long night of activity. I think people. That's don't... not. It's not like that. It's not. It's not so much for the cameras. It's. It's, the cameras are on the red carpet beforehand, and then you know, more or less, you're you're you've got a, a fenced off VIP section where you can hang with your friends if you're and and it's a good party. So and it's not. It's not. It's fun for them. But it's also in, in the for, women have to wear high heels. Right. That's well, that, that that they have to this suffer is a, through. A mystery I will never fully understand. But um, I'm also wondering about you know is J Jimmy Fallon? And it's a TV party too, yeah, so I mean, you end up you end up with HBO being right, sort right. of the best party of the night. And you get Jimmy Fallon, a TV personality, as a host, and and it makes you wonder, you know, who he's going to pitch this towards. Is it sort of the t more more of a TV? audience or is it is he going to get into the film side of things in a different sort of way i mean well it's also film and tv but he's also less uh, abrasive shall we say than ricky gervais unfortunately so that's, I, think, <laughs> I know a lot of people who, who love that i mean it was i think it, was, it got tired uh, he did it uh, you know one too many times for well, my blood because like it's the same concept Let, let's roast everybody yeah but i mean if if, if he's if, if we're sick of him you should have gotten somebody else who could do that too it's i like jimmy fearless. fallon i i think yeah. the um I think I think and I think Jimmy Kimmel is a good match for for the Oscars too. I'm 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 fine with it. It, it my preference of course is Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, but uh, we can't have they them every time. year. They'll be back at some point. In any case, but let's go down. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. There's yes. 10 categories. And um, we're going to ro drum roll, please. <laughs> the most so. dramatic one of them all. <laughs> Best original song. <laughs> Everyone's so wondering. I, I actually, uh, so so this will start. Uh, we'll start at the bottom because, um, oh my God, I forgot what I have to do today. Um, later today, I will be going to the AFI lunch, which is one of my favorite things um, on the uh, agenda. 
one, one of my absolute favorites. Um, that's where the top 10 lists of TV and film all get uh, to hang out at the four seasons together. And everybody will be uh, rubbing elbows the again, yet again. And all you the studio heads the go. come to life. Yeah, the whole studio, awesome. everybody goes, everybody's sort of, you know, but they're also talking shop. It's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting event. All right, so this is going to be one of the, this will be the, if, assuming this is early in the evening, this could be one of the first awards that, of many, that will be won by La La Land. So uh, going up against, it's only one of the songs from La La Land, City of Stars, That's the hummable the one. one. Yeah, I agree. It's the one that it's I remember. Da, 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 da. You know, so we, we can, every time I hear the name, I immediately the song comes right into my head. And that's why I think it'll end up winning the Oscars, unless there are two songs from La La Land along with it audition. In which case, they could knock each other out, and how far I'll go. The Lin Manuel Miranda song from Moana could win. He but really wants that egot. You can tell from that photo. That he'll he'll have other opportunities. <laughs> I mean, ordinarily Justin Timberlake would would be getting a, a win for you know can't stop the feeling because oh, they God. like pop stars there at the at the Globes. The but, less uh, said about trolls at the uh, at the Golden Globes, the better. I think. <laughs> <laughs> then we have best. Uh, score and of course that'll be La La Land. You know nothing is going to get in the way of that. Yeah, Although I think that the, I mean I think the Moonlight score people really love that because it's it's and and Jackie both of those are are super complex, right? I mean they're 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 what people leave the movie talking about on some level. Whereas La La Land is like, is the score the thing you remember or is it the songs? I mean. Uh, from I don't a think that standpoint, the, I, I, I appreciate your 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 distinctions there, but I think there's going to be just like we talked about earlier in 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 this session. I just think there's a kind of a default, you know, La La Land win in in all of these uh, categories. Um, well, so. but but I, I mean that that default element of it is also being you know run up against what you've been talking about, which is people who are saying, I, I like that movie, but I don't love it, or I'm not totally sure about it, and I just, but I this keep is, thinking about this it. This is, well, it's going to be, the way that the Golden Globes are set up, we have drama, and then we have comedy musical. So, uh, assuming it's going to dominate all of those categories. So, it's possible they could go another way uh, here, but I, I really don't see it. Okay, so let's move on to best foreign language film. So, the most interesting thing about this category is how different it is from uh, what made the shortlist uh, for the Oscar submissions. You know, you have stuff like Elle and, and Neruda, which were not included, and those were surprising that they didn't make the cut, and here, here right. they are. And then you have The Salesman and Tony Erdman, which were on there, and I would, ha I would assume that Tony Erdman continues to be the big front runner here, but those are some other big contenders there, especially Elle. Uh, well, if you, like. I, I, there's a possibility that uh, Isabelle Huppert, who's nominated for Best Actress, won't get that award, and I could certainly see this group saying, well, let's give the foreign language film to Elle, which is, on some level, a much more accessible no movie than Tony Erdman. Right. In, I mean, even though it, it's more, it's subversive in certain ways, it's, yes. a, it's, a, it's a more straightforward It's sophisticated, narrative. but it's right. a more straightforward narrative. Right. Right. But Tony Erdman, I mean, they're campaigning hard for that. That the, I mean, I just it's the movie that that you keep hearing about. So it seems like it's inevitably going to bag that Oscar. It's just the, the Globes play a different kind of game here. I do like that Neruda is in there, and 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 L and Tony Erdman because those three movies are all 
movies that should be part of this conversation. So For if sure. any of them win, that's that's good stuff. It's hard to it's sort of very hard to predict. You know, these these are eighty seven. I mean, ninety. Uh, you know, idiosyncratic um, foreign language association members, Hollywood Foreign Press, and and they they are really very. Um, Hard to call sometimes, um, which they, is why they, you're you're saying that Tony Erdman will win, but you're acknowledging El could win just in case that <laughs> it's, it's basically one of those two. And then on best animated film, I mean, Zootopia keeps winning for a reason, and I think it'll continue to win. They did nominate Zucchini, as you uh, you know, the movie we, we talked about earlier, along with Kubo and the Two Strings, Moana, and Sing, which is a big hit over the holidays. But I don't think um they'll do anything but go with zootopia it's it it's got like the safe bet. it's just so resonant it's it's so timely and contemporary and it took them five years to make but it got only more <sighs> incredibly resonant uh as 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 as, as, you, as as we get closer to what happened this year in the election and everything else yeah but i would i mean you you put it as should win too i would say zucchini should win if there's any justice in this world because now that i've seen all of those it's it's the best piece of storytelling there kubo is a, a movie that has some really passionate defenders including our own david ehrlich uh, it's a very subtle movie, but uh, not for everybody. But Moana is a definite challenge, isn't it? I mean, it's I a, agree. It, sh really it, sh like it certainly is, too. partly because it's a musical and has all those great uh, Miranda songs in it, and uh, also very much about uh, South Pacific culture and and a, a strong woman at the center of it, and uh, heroic and athletic and incredibly inspirational. But um, it isn't quite as popular as. Utopia. And I do believe that the writing and the execution and everything that went into Zootopia is, is deserving of a lot of credit. Also, the most hilarious sloths ever brought to life in films. So <laughs> the sloths better make an appearance at one of these ceremonies soon. Uh, in slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we have a screenplay, which uh, here we have the three people right up against each other, Lonergan, Chazelle, and Jenkins. And then you have uh, Tom Ford of Nocturnal Animals and Taylor Sheridan, which I think is a great screenplay for Hell or High Water. Is, that's the best thing about that movie is the screenplay. The way people just sort of ramble on about different aspects of life and it, it deepens the themes of what could have just been a sort of cut rate B movie of sorts so so I think that Lonergan gets this one I think Chazelle is going to be winning a lot of other things also uh, it's not a great screenplay relative to the other aspects of that movie exactly so I think Lonergan makes a big comeback and you know it's just a great feat of, of, of writing like I said he's the writer of that bunch of people everybody sees Lonergan as a writer he's a playwright I mean that's just he, he lives and breathes that world so he's born for this kind of prize yeah and then you have director so I think that definitely goes to Chazelle um, I, I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't because it's just such a sweeping ambitious movie it has more scale to it um, even if I think Lonergan did an incredible job, and so, but they all did. Well, this know? is so, a weird category, so did right? Jenkins. We were he did surprised, a great job but we too, were, but it's but, a smaller movie. But we were surprised when Tom Ford showed up there, and Mel, it's not like it was a hundred percent that Mel Gibson would get that nomination. They either. like him. They do like him, and they don't have the same feelings about Mel that the Academy does. It's not the same group. But this uh, this does seem like a category that could have some sort of upset. Or it could, I mean, it really, I mean, it, those, those top three are duking it out, but any of them could potentially rise up, right? I mean, it's a... 
<laughs> like you have you, you're, speaking you're saying, of Hamilton <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I mean it, you you really could do do a whole musical about the insanity behind the scenes of all of all these things because it is it, it must be super close with all of these guys because people really I don't think like it is movies. I think with director I think it's Chazelle in this group with with this particular group I would I'm give Chazelle. Say the I, I, give I him, it might be true of the Academy too. I give Chazelle the best director for the for the ending of that movie alone. I mean, it's there's some amazing sequences there, and whereas you know with Moonlight, it's like sort of the the movie as a whole is just this really satisfying mood piece, and Gibson's doing something much more traditional. I, I don't even. But on a bigger scale, on again, on yeah. a bigger scale. Yeah, I, there I mean, are a lot of people, the steak eaters especially, who yeah. respect. The, the craftsmanship. But the steak eaters aren't in the Hollywood foreign press, really. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Right. No, these are critics. Not really. These are, <laughs> as I say, Hollywood correspondents. Critics in air quotes. <laughs> and then we have supporting actress, which Viola Davis, I think no one can steal it from, even though I think Michelle Williams gives an amazing performance in Manchester. Viola is really a leading actress, but she's in the supporting category. She she's an important part of the movie, but this that that story is really centralized around uh, the the male character's experience and the way other people react to it. So it's not that much of a cheat to put her there, and she really does own that movie. She's in a lot more of it than Michelle Williams. I mean, that's, that's right, sure. and that's why she's gonna have to. She has the advantage, um, and also people just are are so in awe of her you know she's she's a theater force a tv star now and a movie star so they they just it's sort of like she cannot be denied um but then supporting then, actors is, is kind of a relative newcomer Mahershala Ali is just uh, obvious winning player. everything it's yeah just everywhere and so, uh and even though you have so that's people, the moonlight win. The, yeah, the, at least one. It's sort of a, a given, right? I mean, yes. even with somebody like Jeff Bridges being very entertaining in Hell or High Water, or that weird Aaron Taylor Johnson nomination. Who knows what the hell happened there for Nocturnal Animals? They just I the mean, script just liked that movie, or they were wowed by it in some way. I just don't see that happening at the Academy Awards. Although Ford did land a writing nomination, so we can't discount it. There's any, anything is possible with that movie. I mean, it's basically one of those From things. From the Writer's Guild, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously got more support than meets the eye. So that brings us to the, to the specific Golden Globe breakdown of, of categories it's, that makes it very different from the Oscars, which is the best comedy musical actor category. And you're just like basically Ryan Gosling for the win all just across the Just checking all the La La Land boxes <laughs> here. Um, I just don't. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Who could take it from him? In I this mean, it's group? a weird category. Like Florence Foster Jenkins. I fell asleep during that movie when I got the screener. Um, Colin Farrell's amazing, The Lobster, but that's a weird movie that not a lot of people are totally on board with. Jonah Hill, I thought, was really funny in War Dogs, but same, similar kind of thing where it's like not everybody loves that movie. Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, I mean, that's a pretty great performance for what he's doing there. I mean, I would actually give it to him over Gosling because I didn't find Gosling's performance to be what made that movie worth watching at all. Um, and it was much more about kind of the musicality of it, the visuals of it. I and mean, Gosling, as always, I think is, is more of a prop than a performer in a way. And, and you know, maybe that's kind of harsh, but that's just the way no, I've always No, 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 no. He learned how to sing. He learned how to dance. He learned how to play jazz uh, piano. He, doesn't, he, doesn't he made anything, yeah. love to, to Emma oh, Stone. It was simulated, uh, Anne. <laughs> and he's a... 
It was not, no, there's no fakery in movies. And he's, and he's a uh, dazzling movie star here. You know, I just don't see anything t getting in his way. Not so with this group. That's a done deal. And, and, and you're saying it's a done deal for his co-star Emma Stone as well in the best music, comedy musical actress category. Beating he... out Meryl Streep, beating out Annette Bening, uh, who I think has a stronger shot uh, in, in the Oscar race, actually. It's just a, one of those weird things having to do with the differences with the two groups. And, and the kind of predictability of this keeps going. We, we already talked about Casey Affleck basically dominating the best drama actor category, though Denzel Washington has an outside shot. And there's some other interesting people in there. I mean, I'm glad to see Viggo Mortensen got nominated for Captain Fantastic. It's not, they're probably not going to win it, but it's nice to have that movie acknowledged in the middle well, of the Well, it may have helped, things. you know, it may, put, may have put more people may have put that screener into their, uh, deep, deep, their, they may have watched that screener more, more readily over the holidays yeah. as a result of this nomination. And they That's what it, the impact it. it could have. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully this will give, give more. And he got a SAG nomination as well. Yeah. So there's a real chance that he could get nominated at, for an at, Oscar. At least that. So drama actress Natalie Portman's basically got that one in the bag for Jackie. She's up against people like Jessica Chastain and Miss Sloan, which whoever saw it didn't seem to be too high on it. She um, was good in it. It's just a question of, of that's a, I still wonder what happened to that movie. It feels, it feels like, like it, uh, you know, Europa Corp distributed it. They maybe, the people who financed it maybe gave it a pretty well, short Well, also don't forget it was a shift. movie, a, a political movie about a different period in politics. It hit the zeitgeist wrong. Wrong. It was, it was behind the times. In a right. Way. And even yeah. Amy Adams in Arrival, there was some momentum there, but, but it seems to have been... Sort no, of she's a long sort of. shot because they like her. They've given her two Golden Globes in the past, even though they were in the musical comedy category. So now we're into the big ones. Best film, comedy, musical. You keep saying it, La La Land, La La Land, La La Land. That's sort of like a given. I'd be surprised if they don't make jokes about that because it was basically made for this category. I mean, it's the only other actual musical in this category is Sing Street, and that's a movie that doesn't have the same volume of support, even on, not even, you know, on a uh, relative scale. I mean, it's just not, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's not, it's not a great movie in La La Land. It's a movie that's been a big deal. It's not going to go to Deadpool. It, you could argue that 20th Century Women is a movie that has, you know, a really significant, strong set of supporters behind it, but La La Land's momentum is, is pretty hard. It's pretty hard to imagine something toppling that, though I'd love to see that happen just for the, uh, the excitement of it, I do think it's kind of, it, it belongs in this category. It was made for that category. So then we get to the dramas, and the dramas are um, Moonlight versus Manchester by the Sea. So, so what happens there? I, I can't say that I know. Um, it's an idiosyncratic group, as I said. I just have a sense that this older senior group may finally go more, you know, if we had to say which one is more accessible and mainstream, it would be Manchester by the Sea, more conventional, if you like. Even if I don't think it is, they might think it is or respond to it that way. So I'm betting on veteran Kenny Lonergan over the rising star Barry Jenkins for that, but it could go either way. How crazy would it be for Lion to suddenly win this category? Like all of a sudden, Harvey just stands up and takes a bow. I mean, it's, <laughs> we haven't been talking about Weinstein Company much at all this season. Well, Lion yet, is their only ha hope, and I think along with Sing Street, God forbid that it got something. But they, they, 
they're really in a position to not get what they were hoping for because Lion doesn't feel like it has the momentum that, say, Hidden Figures and Fences have and Hacksaw. Those are the three that are sort of moving up in, in the rankings. Even, even Deadpool has, has heat right now in a way that Lion maybe doesn't. But we'll right. see. On, on Oscar morning, Kidman and Patel, I would imagine, could get nominated. So next week we will reconvene and talk about how right or wrong we were and acknowledge that maybe we theorized about some of the upsets that happened. And then we'll also be able to look ahead to Sundance because we'll be one week away from that and a refreshing contrast. Even though we'll be at Sundance when the Oscar nominations come out, we'll have a whole crop This has of happened movies. before. Yes, Up exactly. at the crack of dawn, you know, competing with AP. It'll be fun. Round and round we go. So I'll talk to you then, Anne. Have a nice weekend. You too, Eric. Eric.